speak to you this morning about growing in the supernatural. It's usually about this time of year that we hear these nifty little slogans about what the year is supposed to be like. Like, it's going to be heaven in 2007. You know little things like that? It's going to be great in 2008. I haven't heard one yet for 2017. Have we run out of creativity for that? But this is what I see. I'm seeing not only an increase in the supernatural, but I'm seeing a hunger, an appetite, and a yearning for the supernatural. This year, it's coming. Now, usually I'm not one to, to state that at the beginning of the year. It, probably because I, I won't speak that which I don't see. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I make very prophetic and strong declarations because I want to see it and I believe it. But I, this year, you know, I haven't seen that. I, but this is what I see this year. It's coming. It's very obvious that before we have, we have seen various things happen as an emphasis. And this is not just an emphasis that will, that, that will stop this December. It's not just confined to 2017, but I'm seeing an arising of a few things here. I'm seeing an arising of the supernatural. And I'm seeing an arising with, with eternity in mind and how we fit in with, with things uh, of the eternal realm. The eternal realm is the, is, includes the supernatural. I see that coming. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles or just read on the wall, 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. Paul said to the church in Corinth, he says, my message and my preaching, you know, he'd been there before, and he's just writing a letter, and he's referring back to a time of his visitation there, and he says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I like that because that tells me something, that, that there needs to be a demonstration 
of God's power so that people will believe. When Jesus came to preach the kingdom of God and and to, to reveal the kingdom of God in the gospel, in the gospel message, when he said, well, you've heard it like this, but I tell you, when he went on and he, he brought a demonstration of the power of God, people didn't believe in him until miracles were produced. Right? Hmm? Yeah, read the four Gospels over and over and over, and you will get that down inside of you to the point where you, are, you need to see miracles happen so that others will believe. Why is it that we have not seen so many come to Christ? As in past decades. It's because the supernatural has been taken out of our preaching. The supernatural has been taken out of the pulpits. It's because the supernatural has been removed from churches. My wife and I came back to this place because we have visited many churches And I told my wife, I can't stay here. And she says, I know. (laughs) I was waiting for you to say that. And we would go to another church. And I would tell my wife, I cannot stand this place. I love these people, and I might love the pastor, but I, I cannot stand it because people are sleeping. It was 17 years ago the Lord told me, He says, I'm going to send you north because churches slumber. My people are sleeping. When the supernatural occurs, people wake up. When the supernatural occurs, people are stirred up. When the supernatural occurs, they begin to preach Jesus on the streets. I've had dreams and I've had visions where I have seen people. And Now, some of these are far away little corner places, but that's exactly what Jesus said. He said said, the word needs to be preached to all corners of the earth until, until I come. He says only then will I come when the gospel is preached to everywhere, to everyone. And, and I would have dreams and visions of preaching the gospel at gas stations while I'm pumping gas in my car. I've had visions and dreams of of preaching the gospel in laundromats and seeing it occur where I'd walk into a place and I don't know why I'd be going to a laundromat. Lord, is my washer going to break down? I hope not. But, you know, I I would go into a laundromat and I'd see the gospel being preached and people being saved and people on their knees. I would, I would dream, and I've seen this to a certain extent where I would walk down the the aisles of the grocery stores and I would see people in the produce section on their knees crying out to God. Will you dream with me? We think that we think that church is the place where people are to get saved. Wrong. Your God is too small and you are too lazy if that's what you're thinking. I say that with all experience because I've been there. I got saved in church, so I thought everybody needed to get saved in church. No, I didn't. When I got saved in church, it was during a revival. And when I, my wife and I came to Christ April 5, 1981, I immediately turned around and began to preach to everybody at work. Conviction came and some got saved. People, we need supernatural fire. We need to have our eyes open to supernatural power. We don't come to church just to sit here and get warmed on a cold day with good singing and and maybe some good preaching. We need a demonstration of God's power that people's faith might have something to rest on. That faith would have something to be built on. Do you see that in that verse? So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul says, I have not come to you with fine oratory. 
I have not come to you to preach a fine message. I have come with a demonstration of God's power. Now that's really hanging things out there. That's taking a really big risk. You can't impart what you do not have. When you have a grasp of supernatural power, you are willing to take a risk and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Come on. We can do this together. We can do, we can do this together. So I want to speak to you this morning about growing in the supernatural. It is something that we grow in. And I have expressed my heart to the Lord and said, God, I want to grow more. I'm not done with this yet. I want to be like Paul who said in Philippians, I want to know Christ. You know, he was almost, he was right close to the end of his ministry when he said, I want to know Christ. What are you talking about, Paul? I thought you knew him. He says, I want to know Christ. It's an endeavor. It's a journey. There are many ups and downs. There are many ebbs and flows of the Holy Spirit. I like this. When, when uh, revival occurs in some places like uh, that we have seen through the decades, am I the only one that ever went to Brownsville down to Pensacola to get a piece of that that was going on down there? Am I the only one? It looks like I am. There's nobody else. Did you go to Pensacola? <sighs> Did you have to wait in line to get in? Did you go around the back door and get in special? Do you know that we were in line at 4.30 in the morning so that we could go to a 7 o'clock at night service? Because we wanted a seat. We wanted to sit down. There's some kind of hunger when something like that happens. When it comes to the supernatural, I want to give you a few things here this morning that we can that we can that we can do, that we can practice, and that we can know to help us grow, to grow up in the supernatural, to see it occur more. Are you as hungry as I am to see that? I am. It's, it's wonderful to watch it happen, to watch more than the shadow of God's hand fall across your path at work during the day. It's awesome to see it occur. It is awesome. And so this morning I want to share with you just a couple things, three major things. First of all, to move in the supernatural, to grow in the supernatural, know your gifts. Everyone here that's born again you are, you are drawn into a kingdom where there are gifts that are waiting for you to grab a hold of and lay a hold of. There was, uh, was, it, was it Bobby Connor, wonderful prophet in the Lord? Bobby Connor, I think it was, or it was, uh, it was one of the other brothers from Kansas City, but he, he, the Lord brought him up to heaven and, and took him into a room, and he, and he says, I want to show you something. And he took him into a room that was huge with, it was like a, a warehouse. And they were drawers full and vaults and lockers and full of gifts. And the brother said, Lord, what is this place you are showing me? And he says, this is heaven's storehouse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are unclaimed. And people go to hell because of it. Hell is enlarged because of it. Oh, which church was it? It's in the New Testament. Paul says, of course. Uh, Paul, says, Paul said, I, I long to come to you that I might impart some spiritual gift. Impart. Do you believe in impartation? I sure do. Yeah, Paul looked at, at Moses, or the Lord looked at Moses in, in the Old Testament in Exodus, and he told, 
He told Moses, he says, get the elders together. Get all the elders together because I want to take the same spirit that's on you and put it on them. The Lord says for us to lay hands on one another. There's something that occurs when we have contact. There's something that occurs when we hang around each other. Because we see this in Corinthians, it also says, uh, it says that we shouldn't, we shouldn't hang out with people that are corrupt. Because corrupt behavior gives, gives that to us. That, that we, it, it, it does something to us. It, it takes away, it, it corrupts our, our good behavior when we hang around the wrong people. In a like fashion, why would it not be true when we hang out with others that have certain giftings, that have certain anointings, that if we would hang out with them, that something might occur there. Yes! We have walked away from that belief in imparting things. I have traveled to revivals because I want that impartation. Something happened to me back in 1996 that changed my life forever. There were some gifts that were laying dormant in me. I had other people say, yes, you're gifted. It's like, what? And I didn't know what about. I didn't know what gifts. I, I thought I had a couple of them, and, and I thought, but the problem was I, I analyzed too much. There's a lot lost between, between here in the heart and up here in the head. There's something that didn't make a connection there. And, and I needed to go to a place to have God straighten me out on that really quick. And so one day I, I walked into my office with, this was down in, down in Waterford, Clarkson area when we were pastoring a church, a little church of about 60, 70 people, and, and just a little church. And I put all my mailing uh, lists, envelopes, and stack of mailings, and, and I began to open them up, and there was one that came to me from a church in Dublin, Ohio. And Dublin is down in OSU territory. It's just a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. And there was a pastor down there. He says, you've all heard about the Brownsville revival in Pensacola. And, and so I am extending to you pastors in a five-state region to come and hear John Kilpatrick's story about this. And at that point, I'd given up all heart, all hope of revival. It was my destiny to go there. I took it, and I, that little flyer, and I just crumpled it up, and boom, I threw it, I threw it in my trash, and I heard the Holy Spirit going, what are you doing? It was that vivid. It was that loud to me that I, I said, Oh God, what do you want? And he says, What gave you permission to take that which I have sent to you and you threw it away? He says, There are things that God wants to give you and throw it away. That's okay. And there it was in the trash and I, I straightened all the crinkles out of it and I put it up on my bulletin board and I sat there and I looked at it. I said, Okay, Lord. I'll make plans to go. And I drove down there on that, said bye to my wife and my kids for, for just a couple of days. It was a night, and then a whole day of meetings, then a night. And when I was going down there, we didn't have iPhones. We barely had computers. 1996. And I took my watch. And I threw it far from me. And I said, I'm going to go on this trip without a watch. Because I'm not going to time the services. I'm not going to time the worship. I'm not going to time the preacher. I don't want any, I want my time to be lost in God because there's something there that I need. So the night before I was to leave, it was about 4 o'clock in the morning when the Lord likes to visit me in my sleep. And, I'm, and, I, and I saw myself on an ocean-going vessel on one of those big super freighters. Nothing but blue out in front of me, and I'm standing at the helm behind the helmsman, behind the one who was steering that great ocean-going vessel. There's nothing but blue out in front of me, and it was, 
It was one of those times where I understood everything at that quick moment. I just knew what was going on. And, and there was a digital readout up, on the, up on, in front of the helmsman that gave the bearing, the compass bearing of where that ship was to go. And I heard from behind me the captain speaking with a booming voice, steering correction, and he gave the numbers. It was 018. And I looked up immediately. I looked at the numbers. And he called for a course correction. 018. It was 016. And you know what I was thinking? That's pretty close. That's not bad at all. Two degrees off. Big ship, big ocean, no problem. And then I heard the Lord strike my heart with a rebuke. And he says, but you will miss your destination if you do not change course in your direction. I woke up, and I didn't sleep another wink until I got in my car and started driving for Dublin to meet with John Kilpatrick and other pastors. This was a meeting just with other pastors, and I walked in to that place when I got there. Oh, oh! before I even got there, there was a huge storm. You know how what, what can happen in the cornfields of Ohio where you have thunderstorms and you have quick tornadoes whipping up there, and, and the sky turned green, and it was like, I'm not even going to make it there on time, you know, and... And I'm, I'm driving along, and I'm seeing RVs tipped over in ditches. And the things I had to go through to get there. And so I put everything in my room, and I got the directions on how to get there. There were no GPSs. There were no phones. You know, I just had to go by a map. You know what a map is? But I got there. It was sunny. It was 90 degrees. It's a beautiful summer day. And I walked down the, the sidewalk to this church, and they had awnings put up. And along those awnings going into the entrance to that church was a long table. Just to even remember it blows me away. I walked, and there were, there were bags, little nice little, little bags that, I walked up there, and there was a lady standing there, and she goes, she goes, what is your name? And I said, it's Rip. She says, Rip, I've been praying for you. Here, take this. You've come to the right place. And I looked in that bag. There was a book, <laughs> this little box of, little box of Kleenex. There was a bottle of water. There were a couple of Krispy Kremes and no bulletin. I walked in and I sat down. I sat down way off to the side just because I wanted to spectate. I sat off to the side. I just wanted to sit down and it's like, I can't believe this. And I started reading John Kilpatrick's book, which I still have. It's called Feast of Fire. I started reading and I began to, I felt empty. I felt terribly empty. I didn't come in there strutting like, ah, this is cool, you know, and sit down. I was empty. And God pointed a finger at my emptiness and my need for a course correction. God, only you can fix this. And so there was, there was the, the worship. The worship crew was up there, and they were getting ready. Okay, I, I got there an hour early. I didn't have anything else to do. I got there an hour early, and I sat down, and I'm going, okay, I'm going to read my book and drink a little bit of that water they gave me. Cool, I'm all set. And I'm reading. And I began to get hungry and more hungry for the power of God and for the supernatural and the band was playing the worship crew was playing and they got about I don't know probably 
we're probably a half an hour before church was supposed to start, right? And, and all of a sudden, I looked up and there were more and more ministers there that came there with an emptiness and a desperation to get a hold of God because they needed a course correction. Yes, they were only two degrees off. They weren't turned around. That, that ship wasn't heading off into a, in, into a, a, a shoal or, or into a, a... They were going in the right direction, but they were two degrees off. And you take that two degrees and a thousand miles away, you're going to miss it. And all of a sudden we begin to raise the roof in worship a half an hour before church started. <laughs> and the worship leader, he turns around and he says, at, at, at the end of a, a, of a season of worship, we were, oh, we were singing in tongues. We were prophesying. We were raising the roof on the place. Oh, there was no direction. There was no one leading. <laughs> God was there and we were having a wonderful time. And the worship leader turned around and he says, I think we just started. And about, in, a, in just a little ways further, we, we had the, the, the host came up and he says, I'm going to introduce to you someone that we've been all waiting to hear from. And John Kilpatrick came up. Do you know who I'm talking about? Do you know who John Kilpatrick, if you don't, would you please YouTube something, Brownsville Revival or or John Kilpatrick, and you'll get plenty of what I'm talking about. And, oh, the man of the hour. And he says, I, he says, brothers, I have not come here to show you how to have revival in your church. He says, I have come here to show you that you can have hope. I'm like, wow. All of a sudden, I was riveted to every word he said. And he began to talk about the crowds. He began to talk about the lines. He began to talk about the heat. He says, even right now, they are in line. And they are baking in the summer heat, and they are having their umbrellas and their blue tarps put up, just hoping for a little bit of a breeze to come through. And he says, I can't tell you the hunger. And as soon as he said hunger, oh, it was like someone squeeze me around my belly so tight I couldn't breathe. And, and I'm sitting there and my shoulders hit my knees. And I began to, <laughs> I began to weep. For about five minutes, I couldn't breathe. This was a Holy Ghost thing. Folks, I can't explain it to you. I could tell you in tongues better than I can tell you in English. Oh, and I got up and and I'm, I had my khakis on, you know, we don't wear jeans to church. It's like, well, after that I did, but it's like I had snot all over my pants. And I began to look at that little tiny packet of Kleenex and think, that ain't going to work. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I just took my hands from my face and I began to look around and you could hear a moaning. At the same time I was hit with that, there was a moaning and a groaning that, and a travail that came out across that whole sanctuary of five to 600 pastors and evangelists and missionaries. And they were going, God, we need more. If I go back to my church and I don't have this, I can't live. I'll get a job and quit pastoring, Lord. I can't stand it. Well, that was the gateway to the supernatural. I was wrecked for normal church. Wrecked. And everywhere I've gone, I've imparted that to those that would receive it. And they have received it. Know your gifts. 
and know that there is a gateway to those gifts because the supernatural moves in the gifts that God has given you. And if you don't know what they are, that's okay. But know this, that there is a gateway to the supernatural that where the gifts flow, where the anointing flows, where people's lives are touched, and yours will be touched too. Can I tell you that God wants you to enjoy those gifts? Know what your gifts are and enjoy them. It's okay to enjoy them. Did you know that? He didn't give you a gift to say, here, you know, grovel around in, in force-fed humility so others don't think that you're getting off on it. Are you kidding? Enjoy the gifts that God has given you. He's not saying strut like a peacock. No, enjoy them. God wants His people to be a happy people, to be a bold people. If you won't, if you're afraid that people think that you will be prideful in your gifts, you won't move in them. God, God wants you to move in them. And He wants you to enjoy them or else you won't step out and take a risk when it's time to take a risk. Have you ever taken a risk for God? This is what amazes me. This is what absolutely amazes me is that people will take crazy risks in their fun time and they, they don't, to go out and get a little jolt of adrenaline, but when it comes time to prophesy to someone in line at the grocery store, you won't do it. Learn to move in that. Learn to enjoy that. And you will begin to see revival, like we've often talked about. Like we've, like we have often wanted. Enjoy your gifts. Covet them. You know what the 10th commandment is? Thou shall not covet, brother. Covet means to want. Covet means to, to, to lust after in a bad way. To want. To, to just have to have. And, and bigger and better. and That's coveting. And it'll get you in big trouble. But yet the Lord says there's one thing that we can covet. You know he gives you permission to covet something? He says, he says I'm going to step over this, this 10th commandment a little bit. And I'm going to, uh, the Lord says, I want you to covet this. Why? Because I have a storeroom in heaven that's awaiting for you to covet this one thing. He says, covet the greater gifts. It's that last verse in 1 Corinthians 12, covet these gifts, covet them, covet them, covet them. Instead, we go out of church and we think about how we're going to covet this, this thing over here and covet this, and we go on our earthly endeavors to get more and to, and to have and to, and to, or if we're struggling over not having things and things that are breaking. Know this, that we're to lay up our treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. And we don't worry about moths anymore. We, you know, rust. Move in heavenly things. Know your gifts and know where God's anointing is upon your life. We all have that. Don't covet somebody else's anointing. Don't want somebody else's gifts. Don't try to be where God has not put you in the experience of that gift. Why? Because David said this when, when little David was going out to go battle Goliath. Saul, Saul, his future father-in-law, was putting this armor on him. And David is going, I can't wear this stuff. It doesn't fit. I cannot wear another man's armor. In the same way, we cannot wear another person's anointing. Uh, there are some stories that were tragic in the course of the 50s and the 60s about, about ministers who, who wanted, who did not, it was not enough of what God gave them. They were marvelously anointed, but they wanted someone else's anointing and they wanted more. Now, it's okay to want more, but be careful with that. It's okay to covet, but be careful. 
You cannot be what another person is. Be who God made you. Enjoy how God has made you. It's okay to enjoy that. I enjoy it now. When I was a younger man, I didn't, and I was a miserable person to be around. It's okay. Because God has fashioned you. And He will fashion you, and He will fashion how He wants you to move in Him. And it's okay to like that. Do you know that? Enjoy it. You don't have to have false humility or remind everybody that, you know, that, that uh, I don't want to move in this thing because I might get prideful. You know, the Lord knows that and other people know that. Just lift up the name of Jesus. Lift up the name of Jesus for His glory. And God wants you to enjoy that. Let me give you a little verse here. You know, it was a commandment to the, in the Old Testament. The Lord says, do not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. Do you know that we are much more than ox? Oxen. We are. Why wouldn't he want you to enjoy a little bit of your work in the Lord? Be released from that. Oh, my goodness. And I want to talk to you about a second one. Not only knowing your gifts, but stir the heart of God. Stir his heart. If you want God to stir your heart, stir his first. Look at James 4.8. Oh, this is so easy. So easy. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. <laughs> you know he's talking to believers there? Did you know that? Come near to God and he will come near to you. Stir his heart. Know what stirs him. Push in. Mm, press into the things of God. Think about those in the Bible who did that and what happened. Think about Zacchaeus who climbed a tree. Yeah, he was a little bit small of stature and he was, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to see Jesus. So he climbed a tree and he says, Jesus, please come to my house. And he, you know, the Lord says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house. God honors those who honor him. Press in. The Lord is honored in that. Press in. That's why I went to Brownsville. After going to Dublin, it's like, I, okay, I've seen it. I've seen enough. There's more. I'm going to Brownsville. So I went. Much to the criticism of the proud ones. There will be those that say, no, you don't have to go that far. To get, I, I said, what if God wants me to? And what if I want? I'm going to receive something down there. So I went. Well, you don't have to go so far to receive something for God. Listen, I had a blast down there. And I came back home and got blasted. In God. In Jesus. The supernatural was picked up somewhere along the way. It's worth it to seek after God. Draw near to Him and He will draw near to you. Where's... Where, where's the emphasis here? Come near to God. Where is the, where is the, um, the impetus here? Where, come near to God, and then He will come near to you. Who starts that process? Who starts that adventure? We do. Press in. Press in. Crank it up just a notch. Come near to the heart of God. Now, there are ways to stir him. First of all, live a consecrated and holy life. A consecrated life means set apart. There are those that, that will, will say, come on, let's go do this. And you'll say, no, I can't, and I won't. There was the old story. This is this has gone around back in the, the earlier days. But there was the story about uh, a, couple of, a couple of young ladies. They, they were horseback riding fanatics and they always went for a ride and they they were they didn't just you know little bounce along little thing i mean they they rode those horses hard and they took risks on those horses doing tricks they were very skillful at their horse riding and every day they'd go out for a horse ride well the one that was married 
One day she, she said, I can't go riding today. And it might be a while before I do again. And the friend says, why can't you ride? And she said, because I am pregnant. Was horse riding wrong all of a sudden? No. Was horse riding bad all of a sudden? No. But she was pregnant. And she began to be consecrated to that which was placed inside of her because she had to protect that because her mind wasn't just for out for fun anymore and for relaxation and for recreation. It was given to this which she was pregnant with. If you live a consecrated and holy life, there will be points in your life where the Lord will say, I don't want you to do this because... And you'll have to say... You'll have to say like the one lady said to the other one, to her writing friend, she says, you can, but I can't. Don't be surprised when the Lord says, I want you to set apart your life for this, and there will be others that won't understand it, but that's okay, you and I will. And you will say to others, you can go and enjoy that. That's okay. My heart's with you, but I, I can't do this and I won't. I No more. Push in. Press in to the kingdom of God. There was another one that did that. There was the woman who needed a healing and she went through the crowds and all she could do was grab a hold of the hem of his garment and she received. Push in. Press in. There were those that were blind that would sit by the roadside and they would cry out. They would yell. They would holler, Jesus! Jesus! They could hear, but they could not see. They knew that crowds were coming, so they knew that Jesus was on his way and they did not want to be overlooked. God, don't pass me by! It was David and his worship. He wasn't dressed properly. And he was out there and he was dancing. Before the Lord, he was dancing in the crowds, in the streets. And his wife despised him for it. There will be those that despise what you do for God. But know this. The Lord's heart is stirred. Learn to stir God's heart. When I came back from revival, I began to share with my people. I said, I said, you know, we had a, an active food ministry. That little church of 35 to 50 people would help feed 7,000 people a year. How in the world did we do that? Have you read the fishes and the loaves? We had that happening every week. It was The whole thing was supernatural, and the Lord wanted me to step out and take a risk. And I began to tell my people on, on Wednesdays and Sundays and Wednesdays and Sunday nights, I began to tell my people, look, there will, there will be those that are offended by your hunger for God. And you know which ones get offended? The well-fed ones. Think about that for a minute. When you see people that are picking through dumpsters because they are starving and they are desperately hungry, do you know who's offended by that? By those who are well-fed. Other hungry people are not offended. If you are hungry for God, get with those that are hungry for God and, and together you will understand, you will know, and it'll just click with you. But if you aren't hungry for God, those who are will offend you. Do know that in that offending time, pay attention to that. It's the Holy Spirit trying to get a hold of you and change something in your life and pull you back from the precipice of hell. He's trying to save you. He's trying to pull you into more. 
He's trying to stir your heart so you will walk with Him properly. Live a consecrated and holy life. Push in, press in, draw near Him. That stirs His heart. Don't say, oh man, i got to go to church this morning. What am I doing getting up on Sunday morning? It's the only morning where I can sleep in and just kind of kick back and enjoy my coffee at my own pace. I am not speaking as one who doesn't understand that. Say, Lord, thank you I'm alive. Lord, thank you that I'm healthy and I can do this. One day I was mildly, quietly complaining about going to work. You know, when you're 59 years old, that's that's able to happen every now and then. You have to guard that. And as I was driving my truck to work, there was a man who was 80 years old, and he was walking with a walker down the street, on the pavement, down the street. And I looked at him, and I said, Lord, thank you that I'm working this morning. Thank you that I'm able, that I'm in the workforce. This is okay all of a sudden. Number three, and I'm going to close with this one this morning. I won't go too much further. Hebrews 11.6. I like this. Oh, I like this. And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And, look at this, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Have you found that to be true? Yes! Yes! But you know the part about that that bothers me? It's the diligently part. Ouch! Earnestly seek Him. If you want to walk in the supernatural, there is an inward price that must be paid. It's not difficult. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but it will cost you something. If you want to walk in the supernatural, oh, please come with me, people. Please walk this walk with me. Oh, don't shy away from this part. Give your heart to Him. All of it. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And this is where we will draw the line. Right here is the diligently part. God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Earnestly. Deliberately. Out of the, out of the way, Lee. That stirs the heart of God to the point where He says, I'm going to reward this one right here. How do you diligently seek Him? Is there anything more diligently in seeking God than fasting? Ooh, I shouldn't have said that, huh? How many things are missing in your life and in your prayers because you have not fasted? Think about that. Study it. More than that, experience it. God always answers a fast. Why? Because you're diligently seeking Him. Here's another one. Oh, do you want another one? <laughs> Yes, please give me another one besides fasting. Okay. Give your heart and your time to worship Him like we did this morning. Do that on a regular basis and watch what happens. Bump up your prayer life. There's another one. I like this in James where it says, the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous man availeth much. Now wait a minute. You mean praying's not enough? No, I'm not saying not enough, but I'm saying bump it up a little bit. Crank up the fire a little bit. You know, we are able to do that. 
Elijah did that. He got down into a birthing crouch and he says, I am going to see this through with prayer. And he cranked up the heat. He cranked up the passion. Oh, don't tell me we're not passionate people. You just watch what happens when U of M gets together with MSU. You just watch what happens in passion. You watch what happens when a baby is being born. Passion. Whoo! Something takes place there. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. I like that much, but it's that, that fervent. You know what fervent means? Get your vocabulary on here. Fervent means heat. Red hot. Heat. The effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous man availeth much. Availeth much. Availeth much. That means stuff happens when we get passionate. Why? Because it stirs the heart of God. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, thank you for stirring this morning. Oh, God, it's wonderful. Father, I pray that you would bless each and every one that came in. Lord, may no one go out of here not knowing what your will is for their life and the joy that you have upon them. Lord, how much love you have for each and every one. But, Lord, if there are any here that slumber in their faith, stir them up. Lord, afflict them in the comforted department just a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray your richest blessing be upon each and every one here this morning. Bless them as they go. Lord, your blessing upon Mike and Chris as they're down in the Chicago area, Father. Bless them in their travels, God, with their family. Bless them as they come home, Lord, to restfulness, Lord, not a oh my goodness, I'm behind kind of a situation or wanting to hop in. And Lord, I pray, God, Lord, when the, in their rest, Lord, bless them with the transition of going, thank you, Lord. All things are well. And Lord, as we go from here this week, I pray each and every one, Lord, return to their mission field, Lord, on Monday. Both feet hitting the ground running in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Thank you for listening to me. <laughs>